Can you tell me a little bit about how, how you started this project? Uh, I started that project because, uh, like I had done, I had done previous work, uh, with using some blues sounds and I always like, I always like a lot of music behind my, behind my songs. So I like to, I like, like instruments, actual instruments instead of just beat. So I had previously recorded a song called Disco Lady, which I did over a regular, you know what I'm saying? What, what, what we want to call a like regular urban type of beat. And then uh, Big Hank had remixed it. It was a Johnny Taylor remix. I mean, it was a Johnny Taylor remake, excuse me. And he put the actual music behind my song that Johnny Taylor used uh, in his record, which was written by a Milwaukee native Harvey Scales and Al Vance for Johnny Taylor. And it was my dad's favorite song. It was called Disco Lady. To make a long story short, Disco Lady was, I really had a lot of success. Uh, I don't know if I want to say a lot of success, but it was really, it was really, uh, it, people really had gravitated to it. So uh, we had just thought that it would be, a, it wouldn't be a bad idea that it, it wouldn't be a bad idea to, uh, to go for it. And uh, Steve suggested that we may as well have try to make a complete blues album. Hmm. Now Disco Lady, that was like the early 2000s, right? That was like 2003. Uh, yep. So Obviously, that's like a more than a fifteen-year gap <laughs> to get to. Uh, I was going to say yeah, it was it was first released in like two thousand two or one, like on the say uh, under the Country Boy Click uh, title We There album, and it was then it was like came back out. I want to say in two thousand five, it would not be released it, but yeah, it was like a fifteen twenty-year gap. But it was always, I mean, it was, I mean, the song never. It seemed like it never got old. It was almost like a timeless rap song by me. Like the people never stopped playing it or like going to the dance floor, you know, bobbing their heads. So whenever they heard it, it never seemed to get old to the people that did like it. So Steve always suggested that we really go, we may as well go ahead and try it out. Now you, uh, you mentioned your dad was a, a Johnny Taylor fan. So I, I'm guessing you probably grew up with a lot of this music. I grew up with a lot of rhythm and blues, a lot of blues, a lot of blues, uh, the BB Kings and the Bobby Rushes and the Bobby Brands and stuff like that. Like it was, it was something that was always because I'm originally from Chicago and my parents are actually from the South, uh, Mississippi and Louisiana and like that. So like, and I always was surrounded by this sound. So when I heard music and instruments that reminded me that like that's what made me want to rap over these type of sounds because it's what made me gave me feeling like you know what I'm saying. I could rap almost. I want to say I could rap over almost anything, but. When I hear music, actual music that put me in a mood to to actually talk about something, you know what I'm saying? At at a at a, at a you know what I'm saying? At the at the at the pace of a Corvette, like I could really really, when I feel something, I could really really perform. Like they like, damn, how you do it that fast? Like, cause I felt it. It wasn't no magic trick, or it's not that I'm extra talented. Like once I feel something, like I really really like, I don't really need a pen. Like you know what I'm saying? I could make the conversation in my head. So. You know, uh, I really, I really, yeah, I grew up around that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not over talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> no. So is it, uh, is it, is it difficult doing blues or was this, this was just, just like any other beat for you? It was just like any other, it was just like any other, it was just like doing any other kind of songs to me. And I didn't know, and I'm me, me myself, I didn't even have the confidence that I could do it. It was the people around me, like Steve-O, like he really, really knew that I could do it. You know what I'm saying? And I watched a lot of movies. I got a lot of comedy in me. Like I'm really a, I'm really a fun kind of guy. So I'm really a jukebox tavern type of person. And I like talking, I like talking real, real, 
you know what I'm saying? I like being real, real, like when it come down to talking about uh, women and sexual things and like, you know what I'm saying? Good and bad times. I put a little humor in it. So he really wanted, wanted me to do this. And that like, like right now they don't call it the modern blues. They call it Southern soul. And we incorporated a lot of artists like that's really like right now they're really really rather be in the southern soul uh industry yeah who who are some of the artists that you've got on this album uh some of the artists i have on the album and i i mean i would like to apologize in advance if i miss anybody but i know i have uh a singer named adrian bagger uh, i do have uh, uh an artist named chris crane um but uh, I want to say Sir Charles Jones, uh, Lady Q, um, and then another lady, Miss Wolf. Got her name, a guy, Big Rob, and a few others, but I'm just not, you know. And then there's a cameo appearance by Homer Blow, and then uh, it was produced by Godzilla. But yeah, I'm on, yeah, I think, yep. And that, I mean, as far as I can say off the top of my head, that's about it, but. Do you think this is going to open you up to like a new audience in that Southern soul scene? I mean, I hope, I mean, I hope so. I mean, it seems to be, it seems like it has already. Like I've done, I've done like, you know, I want to say a number of interviews from, they really been showing me a lot of support on that scene. Like the DJs, you know what I'm saying? Who really, really, you know what I'm saying? Play that kind of music. I've really been getting a lot of support and a lot of attention from them. I've been doing like interviews and stuff. So that seems like it's going in a positive direction as of right now. I'm enjoying it, you know what I'm saying, because it was something that I didn't know I could do. Yeah, when I think of, you know, my my stereotype of like blues fans is that they're kind of stubborn. You know, they like they like something pretty traditional a lot of them. But it, right. it feels like the southern soul scene is a little more open-minded than that. Like they get down with sort of new styles and, and sort of a wider array of of, of uh yeah, because it's like a hybrid. It's like a hybrid genre of music. You know, when you when you when you when you put when you put uh, I want to say what was it called hip hop, or we we'll say rap. I don't know. Some people say they different, but rap, hip hop, or whatever. When you put that with southern soul, it really all. I mean, it all comes from one another. You know what I'm saying? The the children of the blues are, are are the rappers. So you know what I'm saying? And then some of them just can't get it out of their system. So I mean, why not combine the two? Let's see what you get. You know. Just like a triathlon, you know what I'm saying? Some people can run track and some people can do the hurdles and some people can do all of it. So, you know, <laughs> let's do the triathlon with it. Because I also released an album called Dr. Ground, which was just a traditional Baby Drew Irvin album. The uh, Yeah, Dr. Ground, I mean, they, they couldn't be more different from each other. Dr. Ground is, is hard as hell. <laughs> all right, yep, 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 thank you. Yep, it's, it's hard as hell. And I did, I did them all in this within the same, I'm going to say, not even the 60-day period. So you know, it was it was it was showing me it was showing me and my public that I did have versatility. You know what I'm saying? So that came with growth. <laughs> when I uh, when I listen to your music, even going back to the, the the real old stuff, it does sound like there's always been sort of a southern influence in there. Like I hear a little bit of like UGK, a little bit of Memphis. Is is that stuff you were listening to when you got started? Those are my like me and Pimp C. We were actually good friends. Like once, once, once I did, you know what I'm saying, meet to a certain level in the rap game. And yes, I grew up like I had a lot of I had a lot of favorite rappers. I was a rap fan. I was a big fan of Ice Cube and uh, a lot of New York rappers. And you know what I'm saying, like in the '80s and stuff, and KRS One and stuff like that. But as I as I began to grow and I began to be of the streets, you know what I'm saying. Other than just being a, a rap fan, when I be, when I began to be and see the streets like really really i was able to relate 
where like Scottface is like my favorite rapper. You know what I'm saying? I was Ghetto Boys, uh, UGK. Yes, those are some of my favorite groups, A-Ball and MJG. And even some of the ones that are unsung, you know what I'm saying, that a lot of people don't know about. I will listen to a lot of underground rappers, you know what I'm saying. I listen to a lot of East Coast, E-40s and the and the, uh, and the Two Shorts and stuff like that. I was just, I'm just a fan of music, period. But a lot of my influence may come from where I'm, where I'm, I'm actually a Chicago native, you know what I'm saying. And like I said, I got Southern background in my roots. So, you, I mean, I mean, other than that, you, unless you're just talking, unless you're talking about the production as well. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't know it was a Southern influence. <laughs> so when did but you I did, yeah, I did have some heroes down that way. When when did you move to Milwaukee then? I moved to Milwaukee in nineteen eighty seven and eighty eight, and I was kind of back and forth throughout. You know what I'm saying? Throughout my um, adolescence and my um, young adulthood, you know, due to you know what I'm saying, due to friction in my parents' marriage and stuff like that, and the conditions in Chicago and stuff like that. So my auntie decided to take a guardianship over me and just really, really plant me here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I thank her for that. And I was, I mean, I actually had a Catholic school upbringing, private school, uh, St. Leo's, um, Mesmer, and things like that. I really come from Central City Catholic parochial schools. So it wasn't like that I was, I mean, I wasn't like poverty stricken. I was just, you know what I'm saying? But mentally, like my family, you know what I'm saying? Like the environments and the things I was seeing and was surrounded by, I still, you know what I'm saying? My school, my education gave me comments, but I still was like, I still went home to to a street environment a lot of times. Now, when did you start rapping seriously? I I can't remember when I wasn't rapping seriously. I'm gonna say I was about eleven, twelve of months. You know, when we was recording from the uh, we would put hook the boombox up to the uh, to the tape recorder and make little demo tapes and stuff like that. And then my sisters and stuff, they like you actually sound pretty good, and they start calling their friends and stuff. You know, see how who could. And then even our parents, like my friend Junius, his mom would even take us to her friend's studios. We was like in eighth grade, so you know what I'm saying. We I had we had a lot of support. You know what I'm saying. A lot of people felt like that we was talented enough to do it as a hobby, so to speak. <laughs> but I started rapping seriously uh, as far as recording. Really, uh, I, I would say '93, '94 is when I actually started recording actual records. And what was what was the Milwaukee rap scene like back then? Back then, the Milwaukee rap scene, it was it was shaky grounds. You know what I'm saying? It was a uh, it was a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get their foot in the door, and then you had the uh, neo soul rap, and you had a lot of the uh, like I'm gonna say like the the speech, the rest of developments, and the uh, a lot of those kind of groups out. And then you had the uh, you know the other the street kind of guys, but it, everybody was trying to make their mark, and it was like. They wasn't. It was no one was trying to make their mark as a, as a city. They were trying to make their mark individually. So you didn't have a lot of uh, unity then, but you did have. You always had talent here, but the scene was like you know the same stuff these guys rapping about now. We Milwaukee guys was rapping about that back then, like the same voice. A lot of these guys rap. Young Twan been had that sound, and Ice Mon they been had that sound, but everybody thought they was weak or they was whack. But now these days they kill for the kind of rap that those guys were doing back then. <laughs> the, uh, how do you go about making your mark? I mean, so you're releasing singles. Um, how did people discover baby drew? Like what the, um, the, the mechanisms for distributing music back then were so different than they are today. You know, today you just put out music on YouTube and people might find it. But back then you didn't have that shortcut. But back then, I made my market was I was like, 
I, w- I always love, I always like to rap, and then I was like, I sound a little bit different from the average uh, guy my age, you know what I'm saying, and that was rapping and stuff like that. My my content was a little bit ahead of my time, and I always hung around older guys. And my sister had introduced me to a guy that she was dealing with in college. He was in film school, and he introduced me to a group of guys called Dying Breed. They was on the east side. And uh, once I started, once we started recording, we would put them on Gray Max L tapes, and we made sure that everybody who had a, a, a big speaker or a big car or the loud mouth or whoever, everybody paid attention to. We made sure we put it in their hands or made them a part of whatever was going on. And then, like, my cousins and my relatives, they would go to me with every show, and they would scream like they were fans that didn't know me. But we they, we was actually together, but they would scream and holler like they had never seen me before, and everybody would just copy off them. And I, we just, I just made – I just made uh, – I just made the regular people, the the innies and everybody be a part of what I was doing. And once I made them a part of it, they supported it to no end. The uh, the shows you were doing, those were like mostly club shows back then? Majority of them. Majority of them, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of like what you had to do to get hit back then, right? Is just get something DJs could play in clubs? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I also I was I also got a lot of support from Clear Channel, uh V one hundred, you know, uh the Reggie Brown and the Homer Blow and those guys, a lot of radio DJs supported me wholeheartedly until they could no more, you know, until the program directors got involved. But <laughs> I got a lot of support from I'm gonna say I got a lot of support from my town, period. Just the reason I wear this belt. <laughs> <laughs> not saying not saying not saying it in a conceited way. I'm just saying that this is the reason why I get the support, you know, from the from the people. I'm a, I'm more like a people's champ. Yeah. Well, you know, I always get I always get cursed out because they say, You don't know how tight you are. I say, Yeah, the minute I think I'm good, I don't have any room for improvement. <laughs> I feel like that's sort of sort of been, you know, Milwaukee wants somebody it can root for, but you know, it, the rap scene was sleepy for long stretches of a time. You know, there were there weren't a lot of like big names, at least you know beyond like niche circles. So it, it does make sense that people would rally around somebody who who actually had a little heat behind them. Right, right. Yep, and and, and the reason being is a lot of people they they want to rap, but they don't like you said. Like you asked me the when I start rapping seriously, a lot of people don't know if they want to rap for a hobby or they just want to do it. And some people just record just for them and their friends to listen to it. And some people give it their all. You have to have a good work ethic and also some sort of personality to a certain extent, you know what I'm saying, to, you know, have people gravitate to you as an artist and a person. That way, you know what I'm saying, they'll they're they're, they're try to understand and they'll and they're show more support that way. You can't be on the scene, you know what I'm saying, even though you're a rap artist and a rapper, a lot of people think their persona has to be that of somebody that's uh, big and bad, like, you know, like you don't have to be like your 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 persona and your and your uh you know what I want to say your person your your, your personal friend doesn't have to be cocky and uh, conceited it's just because you're a rap artist or it doesn't have to be about your outfit or your your it doesn't have to be about a, a physical image or appearance period and a lot of people get that mixed up even even to the point where they think they have to do the things that they talk about in their song. That's where you get a lot of wasted talent because a lot of people don't survive long enough. They get an expiration date, you know what I'm saying? Because the the the, the, the law, the law, and the uh, you know what I'm saying, and the powers that be, they don't care if you rap. Matter of fact, th- these are the people that's targeted now. You, there is no immunity or no or no uh, 
or no uh, what you call it diplomatic status or nothing like that just because you're a rap artist matter of fact you probably will get in trouble quicker and you're probably under a microscope so they need to learn how to separate entertainment from their actual lifestyle that their, their actual life that they live in they need to they, they just like they have to be like like Quentin Tarantino and Scorsese and them, they don't actually, like Robert De Niro don't actually stomp people out. You know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> Joe Pesci don't actually stab and shoot people. They have to get, they have to realize that you're just entertaining and acting. But ever since the Tupac situation where he was saying he had shot and this, that, and other, then uh, 50 Cent them, they all talk about they got shot and survived or they went to jail and now they back. Then it became a thing where, oh, if you ain't doing what you say you're doing in your raps, then you ain't no, you're not a good rap. You're not a good rapper. So it took a lot of artistry from it. You know what I'm saying? Even though those guys were talented, they glorified some of the wrong things to the to the uh, artists that were growing up under them to think that you have to be shallow and involved in some kind of violence or crime in real life in order to tell these stories. But really, you should just be giving your poetry and talking about the outcome of these things, you know what I'm saying, that that, that come with the income. Do you, uh, do you follow a lot of the younger guys in the rap scene right now? I do, but they're hard to keep up with because, like I say, either they sound so similar that, and then they come, they, you know what I'm saying, and then you, it's it's like a new one every day, and it's a lot of talent. I, I like a lot of them, but, I like, by the time I find out what their name is or something like that, like I said, I mean, not to not to put put a dark cloud on it. Something tragic happens. You know what I'm saying? Like they in jail or they they were killed or something like that. Or either they all sound so similar. You know what I'm saying? Because I was getting this whole thing with these internet beats that guys were using. Like so, I couldn't I couldn't distinguish one song from the next. But I can't say I follow them, but I do enjoy a lot of it. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I, I follow them. And it's it's. I mean, it's tragic what happens to a lot of them. I mean, a lot are you know in jail by 2021. Um, you know, they didn't even or, or did due, due to something that they did in the music involving music. So and this and this and it's unfortunate. Yeah. The uh, is, is there a way to break that spiral? I mean, I've talked to some people, you know, more like producer manager types who are like, you know, I just got to give these artists the right direction. <laughs> let them let them know not to do that. Let them know what they, they could do, you know, if they don't mess it up or if things don't go bad. But that's all easier said than done. You know, it's, it's hard to break those cycles. I would say, and and, and, it, and, it's, and it's bad or, or, or as uh, hypocritical as this may seem, I really start thinking they need to put a little bit more censoring on what we play on the radio because it's starting to seem like to me that they don't play anything with any kind of social content, you know what I'm saying, or not anything that has to do with doing anything other than sex and violence and drugs. You know what I'm saying? And don't get me wrong, I am one of those artists who rap about those things, but I do have other kind of songs also. And just like a lot of these rappers have different kind of songs that they make too, but they will only play the ones that have something to do with crime mm-hmm. or sex. You know what I'm saying? So I think one way to end this cycle is to let them know and let the radio and let the radio and the big airwaves and the big stations know like Place, I mean, mix it up a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Because mix it up for the people that that's not necessarily into that stuff, and then we'll get. I think we'll get. I think we'll breed a, a better uh, generation of artists, whether it be even even out here R&B singers cursing and talking about 
what they're going to do to somebody. <laughs> so, so it's, it's, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's really, really, it's crazy. Like I said, I love all kind of music, but you might catch me listening to anything, you know what I'm saying, just because of the repetition in the in, in the rap music. Like, I hear, like, a lot of the same words and a lot of the same accents and stuff like that. Not saying that it's not good music, but I'm saying it does get, it does get redundant. Yeah, it's variations on a theme. Right. The uh, now you had a, a brush with the industry, right? You were you were signed for a while to a Universal. Yes, um, uh, as far as distribution, yeah, I, I had distribution at 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 one at one time with Universal, uh, I, just for like the uh, just for the disco lady single itself. Just because that uh, it was selling so well, or it was getting so much radio play. Yeah, yeah, it was getting it was getting a lot of rotation. But I think something had occurred with the clearance of some of the uh, some of the content. I'm not sure though. You out there? I'm, I know I don't want to say nothing that's not true. You actually have to speak to Steve. I was saying a little bit on that because I don't really know uh, the the all of the details, which is a shame. But I don't know all the details behind it. Was there a moment where where you thought you might get you know get signed to to a bigger label get Get sort of that that bigger national profile. It was a moment where I wanted to. It was a moment where I thought that, and then it was a moment when I was glad that I didn't. <laughs> okay. you know what I'm yep, because like I said, that's when that expiration date comes in. You know what I'm saying? You get that one big hit from that one big label, and then after that, if you don't follow those, if you don't follow that up, it just seemed like I mean, people give you the cold shoulder or turn their back on you. Mm-hmm. Is that you kind know? of what? Is that kind of what happened with Cuckoo Cow? Um, I don't want to comment on that because I really don't like. I don't know. Like, I don't know the details of that either. You know, you know what I'm saying. I think, I think, I think what happened with Cuckoo Cow had a lot to do with a lot of different situations and people, and you know what I'm saying, and, and moves and deals and stuff like that. I don't think it was. I don't think what happened to Cuckoo Cow was just. Uh, I don't think it was a thing that was just that he that he by him alone. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't fault him alone for anything that that was misfortunate in his career, but he's still to this day, he's still one of the greatest rappers I know. Yeah. And I mean, a lot, a lot of rappers get chewed up and spit out by the industry. It is what happens. The, you know, the industry signs, signs you, tries to get a hit and they, they're pretty quick to move on. Yep. Yep. And then, yep. And then they have a lot of, yep. And, and, and I mean, and that's just, and that's just how, and that's just how it goes. That's just like kids when they get toys, you know what I'm saying? Like on Christmas, like they might play with them for a couple of hours and that's it until another commercial come on with a different toy. You know, and that and that's actually it. But so, but if you struggle and you keep working hard on your own, maybe without a big label, you'll keep you'll keep your more support of your fans because they're not looking for that big hit. They just looking for some enjoyment mm-hmm. out of your music. You know what I'm saying? You might not have to have a big number one pop hit on the chart because, like I said, if you don't follow that up directly with with the sway with the same, you know what I'm saying? Even though the music may be just as good. Like a lot of people say, Powder was your best album. Powder was the best. They tell me what my best albums were, but I can say financially, it was not. You know what I'm saying? I can say, and I can, you know what I'm saying? I can say morally, it was not. You know what I'm saying? But that was that was my first. That was some of my first work that they had heard. And yes, I agree. It was a, it was a, it was a nice project. But I love, I like, I like all of my art. You know what I'm saying? The same. Like so, when people ask me, a lot of people tell me like, this was your best work. This was your best work, and I thank them for that. But I mean, to me, my best work is always going to be the work that I'm still able to do in the present. Mm-hmm. What's the secret to to keeping an audience for as long as you have? Twenty years, twenty plus years is is a real long time to be relevant, even in in a local scene, any scene, mm-hmm. but especially in rap. You know, where I'm sure a lot of the guys you came up with are 
more or less retired. A lot of them even forgotten. But, but just, yeah, right. I, I had called myself retiring at one point, but you asked me what's the secret to that? Yeah. Like, and I think it's just that. It's just a secret. And I, and I would have to credit that to, to my people and my supporters. Well, you know, in the, in the city of for number one in Milwaukee, and then now since we got the internet, all over, you know, so I got I have fans everywhere, and then, and through generations, like people people would let you know people would play me in the car with their children. You know what I'm saying? Like I hear a lot of people say, "My dad, that's all I used to play with you, and I grew up off of you." And by me steady, by me continuing to make music throughout their childhood, you know what I'm saying? They became fans. You know what I'm saying? So I was like a I was like a tradition in some homes. You know what I'm saying? I was like a, a story that was passed down, you know. So you got to think from like uh, the '90s to 2020, like people, some people weren't even born, and now they rapping on songs with me. You know what I'm saying? So I grew a lot of them grew up with me. You know, a lot of grew up, a lot of them grew up off me, listening to me. You know, so. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, before I let you go, uh, Steve had mentioned that you've got um, a show coming up. Is it maybe a virtual show in March for the for the Andrew Green Blues? I do. I do, and uh, I'm not sure about the day, but I believe it's March 6th, and I'm not, and I'm not um, really sure about the venue. And I'm, and he should have. I wish he would have gave me a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> I wish show. he would have gave me a little bit more. I was say clarification on, on on that, just in case I was asked that. But I do know it's March 6th, yeah. And um, I do believe that uh, I do believe it will be appearance mostly. The appearances mostly will be from those on the Blues album, so. I want to say Adrian Bagger would appear, and maybe uh, Sir Charles, and and a lot of others that yet that are yet to be named. So we still, I guess, I think we're still working on all the appearances. But yeah, I think that I'm pretty sure that so will happen. You think you've got a, another Southern Soul album like this in you? Think this is a, a lane you'll be in for a while? Um, I think I'll continue to do music of all kinds for the rest. You know, as long as I breathe breath. If, if you know what I'm saying, if it's, I mean, if I'm blessed, if I'm blessed with that opportunity, I would like to make all kind of music as much as I, as much as I can. I would, I would, I would, I would, I would rap, I would rap over a rock album. I would rap over, you know, what I'm saying? I don't have any, you know, I don't have any plans to do any certain type of music. I just would like to continue to make music. That's great. And then uh, you you'd mentioned earlier that that uh, you knew Pimp C. I can't let that go without without following up. What, what was Pimp C like? Pimp C was a good guy, and he was. I mean, he taught me a lot of you know the the uh, the, the, the encounters that we had. He he taught me a lot of things in, in the short periods of time, and he always gave me uh he always gave me the clearance if I ever wanted to remake anything he ever did, or if I ever wanted to, you know, what I'm saying he always let me know, you know, to uh, don't be. Uh, don't be, don't, don't let nobody, don't let no, don't be pissed on and let somebody tell you it's rain. You know what I'm saying? He was like, uh, I remember one of the video shoots, the last video shoot, I was there in the trailer with him. And it was all the rappers from the South that was on the set. And he said, the only people out there with the, with that, with some real money that's their own money is Outkast and Tree Six Mafia. You know what I'm saying? And he told me that and he told me the reason why. So, and, um, uh, he was he was just a good guy. He would call me sometimes, and he would talk to me. He was, he had planned to put me in a group that he had coming called B Twelve Boys and all that. But me and him, we 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 became pretty not pretty good friends though. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it was a, it was a, it was a great loss to me. You know what I'm saying? Because I was also he I was he was one of my favorite rappers. Like you know what I'm saying? It was like yeah, he was one of my heroes when it came down to rapping. He was a big influence. Yeah, he he shows how how rap can span generations. You know, you 
you listen to rap now, he's just as relevant as he was 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I appreciate you uh, making the time to chat. Uh, the, the album's a blast, and good luck with your release show. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, 